This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts? Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BanBiogs, on Instagram at BanBiographies, search on Facebook for BanBiographies, or by emailing BanBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this special interview episode of BanBiographies. My guest this time is Leo Ulf. Leo is a musician and frontman of the band Wake Up Leo, but is probably best known for his day job as a producer on broadcasting legend Gabby Roslin's BBC Radio London show and presenter of his own show on BBC Radio Kent. He's been playing snippets of the documentary episodes of this podcast on his daily BBC upload show since around September or October of 2020. In that time, we've messaged back and forth, and I finally asked him on to be interviewed. You're about to find out what a lovely, upbeat guy he is, even though he was recovering from COVID at the time. What a trooper. 
I hope you enjoy this conversation which covers all sorts of music experiences as both a fan and a player, how meeting your heroes can be a good thing, and how he got into the radio business. Leo, Ulf, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tom. It, it, it feels very cathartic doing this, so I'm looking forward to it. It's great to have you just because um, we've kind of got to know each other kind of over the last couple of years. But we'll, uh, we'll get there with the, uh, the BBC Radio Kent show just a little bit later on. But before that, I obviously need to get through the, uh, the getting to know you questions so that obviously people listening can get a, 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 a glimpse into your world just, just a snippet okay okay fine that's all you're gonna get that's all you want trust me <laughs> i don't know these these bring up some interesting answers sometimes <laughs> um so yeah i sent you a few questions to kind of you know get the brain going and uh, yeah. get into the right frame of mind for the conversation so um what was the first song that you remember hearing that kind of inspired you to become a musician or or, or you know try and work in the music industry there were, there were two songs that um, that I remember hearing you know, and, and thinking this is this probably is what music is actually about. And this suddenly makes me find music interesting. And I wonder how this was constructed. And the first one was was Hotel California by the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because I I was listening to the words. I was thinking, hang on, this doesn't this doesn't fit the normal. Um, I love you. Let's do this. Oh, that was it. And it was this story. And I thought, wow, wow. That's what's what is this story? And then, I, and then I think I asked my my mum or my dad, and they went, "Oh yeah, that's a metaphor." And I went, "What's a metaphor?" <laughs> <laughs> so you had these different layers alongside, you know, fantastic music and like it's kind of really haunting, isn't it? As well, and, and it fits the thing, and you've got the rasping solos and everything as well. So I remember thinking, "So this is what music's all about." I, I'd be really intrigued to do something like this at some stage. And, and I think around about the same time, my my dad played me "Piano Man" by Billy Joel. Right. Um, and that was like, it's just, that was just the most emotional sucker punch. And I remember feeling like, well, like my eyes were welling up with tears listening to the melody. And then, and then you listen to the words as well. I think, I mean, to be able to tell this kind of story and to articulate it alongside the music, it kind of elevates it past music in many ways, right? Into, that goes straight into your brain. And those were two things that stuck with me. And I, and I was thinking to myself, if I ever actually start writing, I, I want to do something that, that's just that works on different levels that's got this kind of emotional punch that's, that tells a story um and and leaves a footprint really so i'd say it was probably those two mm. i think hotel california especially is one of those songs i use the word haunting yeah like for some reason i've always um conflated in my mind hotel california and the shining yeah okay like, yeah absolutely yeah there's a weird because obviously they're talking about hotels that you can never leave can never leave that kind of there's a lot of kind of almost feels like you're twisting down corridors uh-huh. and uh there's a point where he's talking to the barman about you know please bring me my wine and they're like we haven't yeah. had that spirit here since 1969 and you're like ah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've always conflated the film and the song for some reason. And, uh, Absolutely, and that's just what great media does, doesn't it? it just mm. it, it it just gets those sort of those lights up in your brain that then starts to connect dots with your mm. emotions. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. And so storytelling is a big part of what kind of drew you in then. Oh, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's maintained. Mm. And were you were you always kind of good with words? Were you like more an English student than a math student, or? I mean that that is literally an understatement. I mean, I mean, I was, I was a lazy student generally, mate. If I'm right. completely honest. But, but, 
<laughs> but if, if I were to pick one of them, yes, it would have been the kind of the English and, and spoken side. So I, I suppose looking back, I was, I was kind of things like plays and stuff I was always involved with. Um, and I did like literary things and I like spoken word. I loved, I loved spelling and I, I, I like the idea of words. I've always liked to play with words and, and it, it, something, you know, you hear maybe a word that you don't know that pops in and you think, no, no, like conflating, you just said, yes, I like that. And that pops in and you keep it. And, and I like the idea of sort of building vocabulary and then using it to be descriptive and for what I do. That's pretty useful. So, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. definitely. So, and also, was their music being played at home? Were your family particularly musical? Yeah. Or, or were they just fans of music? Because, I mean, Billy Joel is clearly one of those guys who is a musician's musician, I, I tend to think. But yes. also, is obviously, has a very broad fan base himself. So, were your parents musicians or just real fans of music or a bit Not of both? musicians, but, but, but fans of music. See, I'm um, half Greek as well, so my mum is Greek. So she likes uh, a fair bit of European music and uh, and uh, and pop as well. So she would like a lot of Gloria Estefan and stuff like that. Right, we would listen yeah, to yeah. kind of that. And my dad liked the Beatles and mum likes the Stones as well. Uh, she loves the um, ELO um, and the Eagles, obviously, as we said. So my dad into Springsteen and whatever at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I, and of course, you know, there's all, everyone always got an ear on pop as well because as your kids that's what you all talk about don't you at school so I think yeah there was a bit of a kind of musical melting pot there was always music on generally in the car as you know when you're yeah. younger when you're driving to places and yeah I was yeah I was pretty much surrounded in music and, and and I used to play it myself when I was younger as well so yeah I think looking back probably the first time I probably thought about it Tom to be honest but yeah it was <laughs> I was surrounded in music a lot actually but it's funny though isn't it you bring up um music being played in the car and I think that's a central place especially growing up when you're going on holidays in this country for example yeah. visiting relatives who are far away and you're driving there it's always music was on because that's what you do in the car isn't it I that's suppose it. it's a very fundamental thing I, I assume it's still the same these days I don't have kids of my own so I wouldn't know but I, I tend to listen if I'm not listening to podcasts then it's uh, then it's definitely music everywhere that I go absolutely the radio and, and whatever I, I always love this I still do it. I've still got a CD player in my car if I ever buy a CD I love the idea of opening it up and popping it and that being the journey home you know yeah. what I mean just listen yeah, to yeah. it that way yeah still do it Absolutely. I mean, not many cars have CD players in my, no, I'm lucky enough. One. My, my one does, but it's in the glove box. It's hidden. Same. <laughs> so <laughs> you like, really have to commit to yeah. listening to it, don't you? Yeah. And you're it's like, so well, why, why hide it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. What was the first single that you bought with your own money? Or, or maybe it was an album perhaps. Cause this is always where we go from like, we're talking to people who are into music and uh, and now we're going to try and undermine that credibility somewhat. I was pretty young when I was thinking about this. I was pretty young when I got it. And this is this is brilliant because there's, there's three I can remember being at a very, very similar time. Um, <laughs> I was young. Um, first one. OK, I'll give I'll give you one that was credible. I think I think I bought in blue on CD. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. OK. But Fine. at the same time, I also bought, I think it was Joyride by Roxette. <laughs> that at the same time, something Roxette at the same time. And then I think an album that came maybe a, a week after or something like that was, um, I think it was Welcome to Wherever You Are by NXS. I remember getting that. They're pretty decent bands, all of those. I mean, Roxette, some people look down on, but I think they've got a couple of really great songs. And that, is, that is one of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah, it was that. And, and I suppose... Again, I was young, 
but um, that's what was around. And there was like, there was kind of peer groups. So like my, our friends were listening to the same sort of thing as well. And someone said, do you want to go, go and get that? So yeah, I don't think it was my own money, Tom. I, think, I, think, I said, could I have some money for this, please? Um, but yeah, I think that's what it was. But you bought it yourself. You went out and you I actually made, you made the choice. I made the, buy it. Absolutely. Now they're, they're good oh. choices. I, I would I would stick by them. I've made some awful choices since, oh, um, but I'm quite happy with those. Don't get me wrong. I've uh, I've got some shocking singles in my tape collection somewhere around nineteen hundred well, tapes. tapes. Do you remember yeah. tapes? Yeah, my first few singles were on tape, from the Bare Naked Ladies right through to what would have been the last tape that I might have bought. I don't know. It would have been some kind of UK garage or dance, hard trance, like sandstorm or something like that. You know? Okay. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. One of those phases. And the yeah, Bare yeah. Lady, Lady, Lady 80s was one week or it was called. What's the week? Yeah. One week. American yeah. Pie, right? That literally got to the stage where it was when it was on the radio. Cause obviously mm. that was what the radio did then. All you'd hear, have to hear was it's been off. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can see that it got uh, it got overplayed, but I still know every single word. <laughs> no way can you sing it's it like that. It's drilled into it's no, no, drilled no. into my memory. <laughs> <laughs> A friend of mine's exactly the same with was it Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. You can do the whole thing. You literally, that's his party piece. And I keep telling him that's no party piece, but <laughs> he seems to love it. Yeah, uh, the bare naked ladies doesn't get called on much for these days <laughs> either. To be fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> So when was it that you started getting into wanting to see live music get played? And who were the first acts that you saw, whether they were local or whether we're talking big bands? Did your parents take you to shows? Not really, actually, to be honest with you. I was I was going with parents and stuff to go and see their theatre and going to football and stuff like that. So it, was, it would have been with, with friends, actually, as I got a little older. And I remember, I, I'm pretty certain the first one I went to, <laughs> which was three friends from school uh and i think we were how old were we like 14 um, we ended up going to wembley to see bon jovi for some completely oh, wow. bizarre reason yeah i wouldn't have said i was no i did quite, did quite like bon jovi i did i, I don't um, think it's I, I i like bon jovi too you know it's uh yeah. they've got their place you know they've got their place and when you're yeah. a kid and you're not cynical and you're just in there like you know fist pumping living on a prayer Absolutely, and I remember thinking it was it was weird because actually to be to, for, for a stadium gig to be your first gig, I don't think is actually particularly indicative of, of gigs, is it really? So it was a strange experience. Yeah, because I think apart from a few kind of local gigs around Maidstone, for example, in tiny little venues there, yeah. I think I started off at the. It was one of the forums in London. It was um, Kentish Town. Nice, and then building up from there to like nice. the gigs, but yeah. First gig being a stadium, that's pretty intense. It is intense. And, and I don't think it's addictive. I think, as you said, like your gigs like Kedgetown 4 or Brixton Academy, that kind of thing is just it's a really nice. That's the sort of, I like that sort of level of gig because you, mm-hmm. it still feels organic, doesn't it? Whereas I think a state, I remember seeing news, Tom, I'm going on a tangent, sorry. I remember seeing news at Wembley and I was sat the other end of the stadium and, and I knew I was listening through three pairs of speakers on i couldn't see matt bellamy i couldn't even see the screen that had matt bellamy on. Oh, no. <laughs> i was like going, i i don't need this in my life yeah so you know it's yeah. yeah the one time i've ever seen muse was at wembley arena but i was okay. right at the back as well and it's like I, i'm Same not thing. you just don't get the immediacy like you said absolutely absolutely so you're seeing 
stadium bands as your first band. So how did that impact on the smaller gigs that you went to after that? What were the other kind of acts or artists that you were seeing after that? Were they the same kind of stadium rock? Obviously not, I assume. No, I don't think so. I think it, when I went to go and see uh, Bon Jovi, it was, wasn't at a height when I was really, really into my music and that sort of starts. I think it really gets going, doesn't it? I think around about sort of 16, 17, you get into it and your friends like a certain thing. And I think when you get to about 16, 17, you suddenly start to find your niche. And I think that's not just in music, it's in life as well, isn't it? You start to get your identity. Yeah. And music is a really interesting way of, of a club for you to join, to start forming your identity. Yeah. You know, it, it's true, isn't it? When I yeah. look back at it. Uh, and my my best friend at the time was really into, he just got into this phase for some strange reason where he really kind of liked bands like Sepultura. He kind of liked um, Pantera. He was into this. I remember Sepultura. T- it was too heavy for me. <laughs> Aggressive music. Properly. Yeah, yeah. But also I remember Sepultura was got, it got, one of their tracks got to like number one or something. Like that. Something, I can't remember. Anyway, by the by, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. No, I can't remember. I, yeah. I to Google it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and um, and it was coming towards sort of the end of the grunge phase as well. So uh, Alice in Chains and that, I could really get the grunge thing. I really understood the grunge music because it's, again, a lot of it's storytelling, right? Yeah. As we've said before, and it's, it's, it's emotional storytelling. And I really, really latched onto that. So it was around about that time and it was kind of we're in the middle of Rip Pop as well. So I found myself going to festivals. So, you know, mm. there was the kind of the festivals and things like that. And, and I just felt like I'd arrived in a musical sense then. I knew what I, I knew what I loved. And it just happened to be guitars at the time were huge, if you remember. Yeah. Do. Um, and it was just, it was a celebration of expression and, well, it, no, it just was expression. And, and, it, and it was uncensored expression as well. And I remember seeing a band called Sleeper. Yeah. Who just, I think they'd just done their album, The It Girl. And the whole album was just this, this tale, this, brilliant satirical like stories every single song this brilliant story like and um and watching them live i remember thinking it was brilliant and uh, there was <laughs> there was a song it's a song called um, good luck mr gorski which has got this absolutely fantastic backstory about neil armstrong and, and i'll leave you all to google it because it's, it's hilarious mm-hmm. i think i was the only person that like knew this because it's like a proper album track and i'm see you later <laughs> but i just loved it yeah, so I'd started to do that, Tom. I went to go and sort of start to go and see the bands that I chose to go and see, kind of festivals, as you said, things at um, some of the Apollos, Brixton Academies. And that's I, I enjoyed that. Mm. I think festivals always, again, like you're saying, around 16, 17 is where you're kind of finding your tribe uh, and making exactly your own identity. Right. And I think festivals are the the best before kind of maybe the choice or the or the privilege of being able to go to university. Mm. festivals are the first place I think when you're that young where you can almost reinvent yourself yeah for a few couple of days absolutely be whoever you want to be kind of thing yeah I remember my first few readings being very much like that like meeting new people just hanging out with random people (laughs) for a whole weekend like (laughs) the thing is you go back at our age now and you can just see all these kids doing that and you think oh man But yeah, you're right. Like guitar music was so prevalent from like the early 90s. I mean, all the way back to the 50s, obviously, but massive in the 90s through to the early 2000s, just before that kind of UK garage stuff and and uh, and hip hop really kind of came through into the mainstream. But um, absolutely, I lasted about 20 years. I was talking to a friend mm. of mine about today. We reckon it probably lasted to around about 
what 2008 2009 you still had you know the arctics you've got razor light you know you've got well, razor light's not a good example but you had uh, you know bands still playing guitar still being prevalent and then as you said around about the turn of what 2009 2010 it went the other way as it does music cyclical exactly yeah precisely it's always kind of 20 year cycles isn't that's it, it. i'm sure as a bbc radio producer and presenter mm. um you, you notice these trends appearing as they've happened yeah but i think what's interesting in the last 10 years or so is that there isn't that tribalism anymore that we're talking about like you were a guitar music guy or you weren't or you were into this or that it's all being utilized in different ways and there's a lot of cross genre stuff going on i think yeah i don't know whether that it's 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 exciting but it's also i quite like the tribalism like I, i'm, <laughs> you know, I'm from so that generation i and i kind of i yeah i agree with both those things i, I found myself for some reason <laughs> googling earlier on why is Ed Sheeran so popular, right? <laughs> I, 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 just, I just wanted to know, because I've just seen him on TV, and I'm not casting any aspersions at all, but I just, and I, just, I, I just wanted to know, so I put in there, and I read an interesting article which said exactly what you just said, is that he seems to have found this way to kind of integrate a bit of pop, a bit of hip-hop, you know, a bit of rap, a bit of dance, and, 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 and a, bit, yeah, a bit of rock as well, mm. and get it all in there together so that it doesn't actually offend anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, Potentially, people can go, yeah, I like a bit of that, and and of course, because we're in, in in a sort of disposable society in terms of music now, someone can go, I like that Ed Sheeran song, and he might not like the rest of the catalogue, mm. but it doesn't matter because mm. you like that one, so that'll yeah. do, and that one. But I, I agree with you. I think, and it interests me because we are so tribal inherently as human beings that I am surprised that there doesn't seem to be, you know, that that genre of music for people to sort of pin their their hat on for the meantime maybe there is tom i don't know yeah I mean, I maybe we're not looking in the right places i don't know i think but you're right you're absolutely right about ed sheeran it's almost like every song is machine tools to appeal to the most amount of people and i think that's like really. as much as he gets a lot of stick that's an incredibly hard thing to do sure it is and to stay relevant for any amount of time right these days yeah yeah because i mean you know it was a few years ago when you had your kind of landfill indie movement with your razor lights your kooks and all that and you're like i can't really see these bands playing 30 years down the line for like i don't they don't feel like they have longevity arctic monkeys were slightly different yeah it's like the christmas song that ed sheeran just had out with elton john sounds like a classic christmas song that's always been around like it's it again machine tooled to Mm -hmm. fit to fit to sound like that yeah that's scary though isn't it yeah <laughs> there's a formula for doing something that's supposed to be like something. Where the hell's the creativity? Or is that the creativity? Well, that's I mean, it. That's a- I assume he's incredibly talented and that he's not so famous now he could have access to whatever Illuminati hidden secrets are like, you know, out there um, for crafting the perfect pop song. But the other thing, of course, that he's done really savvily is that he goes out and tours on his own. It's just him and a loop yep. pedal. And that's that's a money spinner. (laughs) From a fiduciary perspective, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, man, that's tough. I'll give him his credit. That's difficult as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One slip up, unless Mm. there's a backing track going on in the background, which I would never, of course, would suggest. No, no. Second. (laughs) It's tough. I know that from experience. I mean, I I assume you've played acoustic and solo before. Mm. I haven't played solo, but I've played acoustic, and that terrifies me because there isn't any distortion to hide your bum nuggets. <laughs> There's no hiding place. 
There's no hiding place. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, when did you pick up an instrument? I assume, like many of us, you kind of started with copying other people's songs or covering other people's songs and then oh, kind yeah. of learning your way. And then, like, what was the progression? What were the instruments that you learned on that got you to where you are now? <laughs> It's weird. I, you, the, the recorder, right, is 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 a, is a pilloried instrument. It really is. It gets such a bad rap. I was having this I'm, conversation I'm say... the other day. <laughs> I started on recorder because it was the it was the beginner's instrument in in primary school, wasn't it? Not, not only that, Tom. I bloody love that thing. I bought myself. I bought myself a wooden one, right? I went and I went out and I and I and I won. I won trophies for that thing. Wow. <laughs> I okay. Recorder. I loved it. And I, I'm only really saying because I just took to it, and, and so I was in, entered into competitions to play it, and I just loved it. It was just something about being kind of one with the music. So I was learning piano at the same time, mm. but I really loved the recorder, and I remember going out and, and playing it. Of course, it's only so far you can go with the recorder, so that was done. This is when I was probably, I mean, how old was I then? Uh, eight to ten, probably. And then I put it all down, didn't do anything really, played a bit of clarinet at school. And then I, I must have got to about 18 ish. And I was, you know, this is when I was enjoying my music. And I thought, well, okay, my friend had a guitar and he wanted to play it. So I got an acoustic guitar, started playing. And then um, started, at uni is when I started playing, actually. So I just took it with me and just started playing. Oh, the old stereophonics and oasis songs and all sorts of stuff yeah yeah and then i remember a, a friend of mine there was kind of an incident uh, with a friend of mine and I, I, I don't know why but i just felt inspired to to write about it for some strange reason after university so that's why i just sort of try and put the two together okay and uh, and i wrote it and i ended up playing it to um to a friend, friend of mine who i was working with at the time must have been oh, 24 i guess and uh, he went oh is it oh thanks he said, oh, maybe we, should, maybe we should form a band. He was a guitarist as well. I went, oh, all right then. We form a band? He went, all right then. So he came around to my house. We both played guitar. He went, I'll play bass. And I went, all right, fine, you play bass. And then that was kind of, that was how I started. It was just so bizarre. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then we went on a kind of a tour. Not a tour, really. We would sort of just play local venues, even my guitar and him with his bass. And we had absolutely no confidence at all in what we were doing. So we just tried to be as funny as we could in between songs. <laughs> just telling <laughs> jokes and stories. Yeah. And I hope that music was tolerable. Um, but yeah, that's how I started writing. And, and, and actually, once we started doing that, uh, the, the creative process and everything we've talked about, like the influences and stuff, really kind of came to the fore. And I love the idea of getting emotions on the paper as well. So yeah, mm. that's how it all began. Okay, right. And... Did you, because you also went to uh, the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, I saw. So was um, was acting something that you were looking to do as well? Or was that, yeah. did you always have the idea of being a presenter and was it more to do with that? Yeah, I think so. I remember I was having this conversation the other day, actually. I remember when um, my friend I, and I, I told you that was really into Sepultura, who went completely the other way as well, by the way. He dropped heavy rock quite quickly mm. and moved something that I didn't agree with. But anyway, that's, that's life. Yeah, my brother um, did but- the same thing. Really? Incredibly heavy music and now listens only to like EDM. Really? Yeah. I don't know Man, where that works, came from. It? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I anyway, uh, so we, I remember we used to kind of make these, um, these videos, this, because I, I fancied the idea of being a, an MTV presenter. This is in the days when there were actually programs on MTV as opposed to Northern people getting drunk and whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I take that back. Just British people. British and people from New New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, you don't don't want to tar anybody. Except for everybody. (laughs) Um, 
and so I just remember us making these kind of uh, these, these kind of hosting videos so I pretend to be it always degenerated into fast but but the idea was that I really fancy doing that I remember sending one of them off once and kind of hoping that I'd get something back in the post go on come up and, and have a go and I never really did um but I, I knew I kind of really liked to do that kind of thing especially with music as well and and thing, and hosting because the thing is Tom I mean as we probably disseminate from this just talk I've always just talked all the time I used to get detention for it and I get paid for it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing isn't it it's finding something that you're good at and that you would do anyway and try well, and exactly. make money from that you know try and make a absolutely. living absolutely if, if your job can be your hobby i mean that's exactly what, what it should be um but yeah and so I, and I, i've always loved as you said like kind of performing sort of stuff so i thought yeah i would definitely try out drama school so i did and i really enjoyed it actually and and i hadn't had any formal training before that so i did um, three years part-time actually up in swiss cottage in london and it was mm. It's a great school. I mean, it's you know you're, you're walking past in the corridors and you've got you know Graham Nortons and stuff on the on the walls and you're sitting there thinking, am I any good? I don't know, uh, <laughs> but give it a go. And you know, having to be in seminars where they say, right then, be a yak. <laughs> Your brain goes, hmm? <laughs> what does a yak do? Well, I just thought a yak goes yak. So I just did that, and I found <laughs> that seemed to seem to pass. And it's all that kind of stuff. But it was nice. And I'll tell you what it was. It was really good for loosening your inhibitions. And, and I think that's something I definitely needed at the time, you know. And so it was a really, really good experience being comfortable within yourself and finding a centre and, and allowing yourself to express. So I did do that. And, uh, and I enjoyed it, actually. It was, it was a good thing to do. And, and, and I think, like, I went to uni probably too early. And as we said, sleeping and drinking and noodling on the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it was nice to then focus on something I really wanted to do for a little bit, for sure. Mm. And so when did um, Wake Up Leo evolve? Was that from that first band with your friend on bass or is it, have you kind of had multiple bands in the past? Well, he's, he, that bug on bass is my best friend and he's still the bass player in Wake Up Leo. Oh, now. brilliant. That's great. Yeah, it is lovely. And we, so we did this for a little bit and then we, we kind of got together. We got a guitarist, another guitarist and a drummer. And um, we, we thought, well, well, I'll be writing the originals, but we'll just play some covers to get by. We'll play some covers. And of course, we ended up basically just being a covers band because, you know, everyone had different genres in their heads and it would never work like that. So we, we, we played some interesting covers. <laughs> we really did. Um, and there are some songs I can't just, I just can't. I can't listen to, to Franz Ferdinand take me out anymore. I just can't. We played it so many times. Yeah. Must be the same with you for some cover songs as well. I, I refuse to play Sex on Fire. <laughs> like flat out, I'm not playing it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I will um, not. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there, are, there are a bunch that you're just like, yeah, yeah. if it comes on, I'm like, no. There no, was a, there was a point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There was a point where we used to listen to Planet Rock. Uh, you know during dinner or whatever and at one point I was in a band that did kind of classic rock heavy metal punk covers and um, almost the entire playlist was what we were playing in the band and I just we don't listen to that radio station anymore (laughs) (laughs) I just can't do it (laughs) I know what you mean yeah, actually, you. I know there was uh, we played Rebel Yell and uh, and obviously you're a Billy Billy Idol fan and I am as well it was just different enough, our version, for me still to be able to listen to Rebel Yell, which is quite useful, which is a nightmare song very much. Um, but anyway, listen, I'm, I'm good, by the way. So all of this was going on for a little bit, and, and, I, and I felt like I really wanted to have a go um, at doing my own stuff. So I said to the boys, look, I'm, I'm 
going to do, you know, I'm, I'm going to start writing stuff on the side. And they said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. So I, I did. And I started writing some songs. And so it was a chance meeting really through a, a friend of my brother's, it turns out, a friend of a brother's of my brother, whoever it was. It was some weird situation. had a studio in um, Parsons Green just off uh, by Chelsea. He writes for uh, commercials, you know. And um, he said, come and record some stuff with me. Just write some stuff and come record it. So I did. I, I wrote three songs, one of which was the first ever one I told you about I wrote about after my friend mm. and I took it up and then we um and I recorded three songs and once we, I was done I thought well actually I, I quite like this I quite like the idea of actually my voice being it was quite poppy mm. and then from there basically I, I put a, a band together wrote some more tunes grabbed a bass player Paul from the other band and, and went out and started playing and I just thought well I'm gonna have a go at this I don't know what the template is but I fancy playing some good places maybe with some of the bands that I like. <laughs> Let's hmm. see if I can. Oh, right. Okay. So what were you doing? Like emailing various bands that you'd like to see if they were going for an opening? Like you go, obviously, or... yeah. You go through the whole bloody... All publishers, don't you? You go through all the publishers, yeah. you go through all the record labels, and you think, yeah, they're going to come back and say, yeah, come and sign with us. And then, yeah. of course, you realise that that's not how life works. <laughs> that what you actually need to do is book up some gigs and hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up doing that. Um, and then, yes, absolutely, starting to make some um some connections so like it's as you know it's the industry music radio tv whatever is just a massive handshake club effectively pre-covid handshake club (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's all about personal it's personality and it's about it's about getting to know people it's about building relationships which it shouldn't really be surprised because that's actually what life is about, right? Yeah. And so I did. I was I started to uh, to get in touch with mutual friends and to speak to maybe promoters and try and get some gigs here and there, and then just started to know more people, Tom, really, and and able to sort of sneak onto some cards with some of the bands. So I played one of the, the first ones. I was so excited was to play with Space, the band right. Space. Yeah, yeah who I just adored from the Britpop days. And mm. and then, of course, once you play with them, I think a lot of people make potentially the error of going, wee, telling all their friends are doing that, and then just have a party and then bugger off. But no, go and meet the guys, yeah. go and chat them, find out about them. You know, some of the stories, I mean, he told, they, we played with them this year again, actually, which was lovely. Right. And we sat upstairs and they, were, and they were saying, you know what, we vetted Austin Powers. And I went, did you? And they went, yeah, because Female of the Species was in Austin Powers. Okay. Mike Myers flew them off to LA, I said, and sat down and, and, and he, said, he said to us, right, watch this film. So they, they sat there and watched Austin Powers, the original cut, with Mike mm. Myers just standing by the door, watching them to see if they would laugh or not. Okay, wow. Just, and apparently there was one bit which he really wanted to laugh at. They didn't laugh at all. It got <laughs> cut out of the film. Oh, my God. Was, so, like, just those stories and just meeting these people and finding out about how about they were on top of the pops when they were on the doll because their money hadn't come in from the record label. Like, it's just... <laughs> I just love doing all that. So yeah, and just meeting and handshakes and saying hi, and maybe we'll get together again, and mm. and just doing all of that really, and festivals and yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's like you say. Uh, I mean, when I first got a job in journalism, I realised quite quickly all these people know each other. Yeah, it's a tiny world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way to get on is just to get on with people. And that's the key. <laughs> exactly as you say, like talk to people, find out about them, make friends, help people and do help. it. Yeah. And do it genuinely as well. That's not, not in a cynical, like, Oh, maybe they'll, no. you know, maybe they'll do me a favor down the line. If I'm nice to them, that's not it. It's actually no, it's about not. collaboration. 
and I think because I, I decided to do it a little bit older rather than sort of your early 20s, it was, it was nice because I was just excited to, to just go out and play, really. And, and, and the prospects of sort of playing anything, you know, and, and being able to try and, and maybe look at things a little bit more, what's the word, realistically, I guess, because every, everyone wants to be a rock star, don't they? Mm. But, you know, you can achieve what you want if you go about it the right way and, mm. um, and just be a nice guy. And when you're there, appreciate every single thing that you do. Just yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Fun. So yeah. that's what I try to do, I guess. So what are some of the most kind of memorable gigs that you've played or some of your favourite bands that you've played with? I suppose obviously Space is one of them. But uh, I've, I've seen pictures of you playing in quite some pretty cool venues. <laughs> well, I had a really great gig with uh, Eagle Eye Cherry we played. Um, wow. Last year, yeah, with the O2 Islington. Mm. And that was a case of a friend of a friend. And then I reached out to them and said, listen, we you know, any chance that we could support and, and get together and we'll do this and that. And um, that was fantastic. I mean, he was, he's you know, he's still huge, I guess, in terms of Paul. Yeah. Um, and just, it, it, I loved that. And I went downstairs to the dressing rooms and I sort of, I, I always do this, you know, people pop my head around and go, oh, I'm, I'm Leo. And, the, you know, just the coolest, just such cool people. And like, you know, hi, oh, hey, nice to meet you, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll come watch your sound check. It's like, oh, bloody hell, okay, thanks very much. I'll, I'll appreciate that. And so, and then it's, and it's that thing as well of kind of, I remember I, I was, I said to the voice, shall we, <laughs> shall we play Safe Tonight? Because that'll piss him off. And I went, <laughs> definitely not. Let's not play his single. That's why he's here today. Um, so, <laughs> so that was, that was great. And that sort of thing is, is lovely as well because you know you, you you know people are there to watch you know this as well you know you, you people are there to to watch the other band but you you in many ways sort of try and ingratiate yourself to to a whole new audience as well mm. and, and and but you, the reason you're there of course is to make sure that the headliners sound great because you've got a job to do at the end of the day haven't you so yeah that's what that's for but i enjoyed that very much we played with reef mm. which is great we played with reverend of the makers which i really enjoyed that all of these are storytellers as well so i just find it so inspiring we went on tour with a band called My Life Story. Oh yeah, yeah, which was really good. And I learned a lot from um, from those guys. I see it, for example, uh, just watching how that played out. So uh, they were playing on the stage, and the second they finished, they were off over to the merch sort of merch bit. You know, schmoozing, shaking hands, blah blah. It, it wasn't, you know, popping out the back for a cigarette for a bit and a bit of a chat and a cool yeah. down. No, it's business. It was just business straight away. Well, that's it, especially when bands make a lot of their money through merch now. You might as well be at the merch table to be available as well, right? Because Absolutely you're right. More than likely gonna sell more merch if you yourself are there. Yeah, it's again, it's a personality business, isn't it? It mm. is a it's fantastic. And um played with a couple of bands and played with a band called um Bang Bang Romeo, who I'm sure are going to be humongous at some mm. stages. They're kind of up for coming. And, and okay. um, I think keep an eye out for them. They're going to be, I mean, they're like, a, if you remember the gossip. Yeah. They're very similar to the gossip. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, Jason Donovan, playing with Jason Donovan. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Wow. <laughs> and Jesse Orks. That was so <laughs> Wow. How did that come about? That was a festival, actually. That we oh, ended okay, up. Yeah, so yeah. We're on the same stage as those two, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I love it, and um, so it's great. For example, like our guitarist, like Space, is his favorite band of all time. So, like, to be, when I said to him, "Right, we're playing with them," <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but it's nice, and it's it's nice to to kind of play with with um, with groups that I really enjoyed listening to, and then learning from them face to face. So, mm. um, I hope to try and do much more of that and 
See what happens, I guess. Excellent. And I suppose the name as well, Wake Up Leo, does that come from the university days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an amalgam of all sorts of stuff. So it's wake up in a sort of physical stop snoozing sense. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's wake up in a kind of, come on, mate, crack, you've got to do something with your life. <laughs> 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 That's how it was. Wake up and smell the coffee. So, yeah, it's, not, it, it's more of a mission statement for me. <laughs> and um, I've been checking out the uh you know the, the the singles that you've been dropping you dropped friends this year right yes but um the video I, I i watched the video over the summer and really really enjoyed it i think the choreography in it and the storytelling and the dance routine is amazing well, those guys are fantastic yeah i mean where did you how did that kind of come about who was the choreographer for that and like where did you meet these guys well, the, uh, it, I, it was actually the first guitarist who I tried out a few guitarists and it turned out the guy that I tried out just didn't have the time really to commit to it. But he did have a production company. Mm. Um, I said, I want to do the video for this for this song. It's it's about this. And he said, OK, well, I've got a director that really wants to to do something dancey with it. And I said, OK, that's, that's a good idea. As long as I'm in it. Didn't realise I was going to hit the cutting room floor as much as I did. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, we went and filmed that. I think it's at my brother's old house, but the, the dancers are great. One of them is, um, turns out, is one of the dancers from Matthew Bourne's West End stuff. So oh, wow. I think he did Swan Lake or whatever. And he's just uh, um, PJ Hurst, a brilliant dancer. And I was just watching him, just mesmerized mm. by what they could do. And, and, you know, the whole idea is about breaking down barriers and. And at the end, it was it was kind of a way of her trying to tell him that he she was pregnant, or yeah. trying to tell him something, whatever it was, and then there being a bit of a disconnect. And then as they dance it out, it comes it comes together. But yeah, it was it's amazing, isn't it? When you when when someone puts a completely different visual spin on on a song that you've written when you were in the shower, that's, a, that's bizarre. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Was it? I assume it was um, the choreographer's interpretation of the song, or was it just exactly they had the idea and it kind of fit with the vibe of the song anyway? Yeah, it was a case of look. I've, I really fancy this as a storyboard. I think it fits. What do you reckon? And I went, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it works amazingly well. Oh, thank you, mate. Mm, mm. And the other, the other question that I had about about like when I've seen pictures of you, you wear these kind of cords on your forearms. Like, <laughs> They've I just, gone now. Are they gone? Right. What? 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 I mean, what, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I said we kind of. I bought these really bizarre things. Yeah, they're what are they like? They're sort of they're, they're kind of like fishnet stockings for your arms, right? Yeah, I wasn't sure whether they were like I don't know something to do with circulation or compression or what they. I, I wasn't no. sure whether it was a an aid no. of some sort. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> no, a medical thing, darling. No, it was. I I, I thought I'm aware of these things because because I'm going to end up getting two questions, which is either I like those things or what the bloody hell are those things on your arm? Either way, they're going to ask you what they are and want to have a chat. <laughs> so ah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. See? Well, it does. Yeah. It sticks in the mind. It does. Most, most people went, what the bloody hell is that? And they tend to <laughs> shout it rather than just ask <laughs> Well, I didn't shout. I just, uh, I asked as hey, politely as I could. <laughs> no, but I mean, the thing is, and, and you've talked about this a lot on your podcast, uh, and, and you know I agree with this, just the idea of, of the front man and the performer and stuff. I just love it. I just think that dimension in music is something that is, for whatever reason, has just gone away for a little bit. And, and mm. I love the idea of that. And I still try and do it, the, the mm. persona as a, as a front man, and not just as a front man, as a band, generally, perform. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I prefer my bands to move around and I prefer yeah, there to be a bit of a, a it's a show, show business, isn't it? It's a show. You know, 
it's a show like my mum still talks about we talked about earlier on she talks about this Hammersmith Apollo thing where she went to go and see ELO and a spaceship came down like she's going to remember that forever like yep. not that we have the budget for that but you know <laughs> you can do something similar yeah exactly yeah yeah it's all about heightening the persona isn't it even if you're just in a pub playing something you know you, you got yeah, to stand out about- in some way and give something of yourself. Like one of the most memorable gigs I remember was I went to go and see because a friend of mine was a really big fan of Counting Crows. Mm. Um, if you remember them, and, and um, we went to go see them. And then halfway through the show, um, what's the singer's name? Um, oh. uh, Tom Durnitz. Oh, I can't remember his name. There it was. It's Duritz. Adam Duritz. Yeah, Adam Duritz. They stopped halfway through a song. Okay, and he he just went to the board, to the rest of the band. Right have a rest for a second and he just started he sat down went into the stage was like he's been, been rocking out and he just said you know what it's really interesting this because i'm i'm a singer now i'm in my forties and all the rest of my friends have got married and they're having kids and i'm just doing this and he said it's weird because i used to just sing when i was just you know i used to dig up potatoes for my job and i used to sing and then and it worked out being like this and sometimes i really don't know what i'm doing with my life actually but but it's kind of it's it's days like this that remind me why I do it in the first place. And he just gave wow. so much of himself. And I just thought that's amazing. Like, yeah. and I will always remember that because he just showed his personality. It was just making a connection, which is what you do, isn't it? Yeah. As, as a musician, I think. And I think it's what you want as well. Like there's no point just performing the songs or, you know, rattling through a set list in mm. the hopes that people might remember it. You've got to do something that's memorable. And that Absolutely. is incredibly personal it as well. Like, yeah. And it was more than that. It was just, it was so mm. personal. And I came away thinking, I'm so glad I bought a ticket for that because I've learned something that you don't learn from just listening to a CD. Yeah. But he might also, that might not be a shtick that he does every night. He might just have felt that yeah. way on the night. And, you, you know, if you were in another town, you might not, yeah. have, you might not have witnessed that. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Absolutely. Mm. It, it felt really earnest and honest, um, which was lovely. Mm. So are there more plans for recording or gigging uh, in 2022? I know it's still, still incredibly mm. hit and miss as to where and what is going on and where is going to be okay to play and, yeah. and all this. But... Yeah, ideally, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of things I still want to do. I've got to write some, some more music. I, I, we came back last year. Playing, playing some shows with, with with the same old songs, and I can say that about my own songs. And uh, and and so yeah, I, I I need a refresh. And yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I've got a few things that I've got kind of lined up in my mind. So yeah, but you know what? I, I think I found I think I know what I want to do with music, and you know I, I know what my, my not end game, but I know what my goal is for it. So yeah, all being well, I will try and pursue that starting this year. Okay, interesting. Because I assume the reason that you've not been able to maybe bring the new songs and maybe spend so much time writing is because the day job has got quite a bit more intense in the last couple of years, I assume. No, you're absolutely right. You're on BBC Radio Kent as a presenter, but you're also a producer of the Gabby Roslin show as well. Are you still are you still doing that? Yeah, so from time to time I produced Gabby. It was difficult because we had to make a decision uh, during COVID times to pick a station because you couldn't be in two places mm. i don't think i'm going behind the curtain really with that but yeah so i i stayed at kent for the for the vast majority in fact all of 2020 um and i was able to go back and see gabby a little bit this year as well and God, i learned a lot from gabby i have to say I really have and um and i we're friends and uh she's very very inspiring she's mm. really is just this kind of bundle of 
of, of curious energy, which is, yeah. Because she's I, been I, a broadcaster for a, a good couple of decades now i mean she's a she's a proper broadcasting legend so i can absolutely. only assume that she's like a a fountain of knowledge yeah absolutely yeah and 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 of people like i you know can i just say oh blah 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 oh yeah yeah mate okay for sure yeah uh, let me tell you an anecdote <laughs> about this blah, blah, blah. um but also really really humble like just so humble because you know we really get on so it, it's mad like sometimes she'll bring a daughter in and go, here you go leo pop a smoothie down there you go there's your smoothie right what's the music we're going to play today well i don't know yet yeah, let's go through it yeah i'm just just fun and you're right and, and I've, I've just learned a lot from her about how to be and, and the thing with her is that she's again exactly what you and i have just been discussing is about giving give something of yourself be yourself mm. you know open up a little bit let people know who you are be personal um personable as well mm, i think mm. um yeah so it's yeah tommy <laughs> it's been it's been busy and i have to say i'm so i am so thankful last year to have been able to to go in and, and do the show and work because i mean i know everybody's been stuck at home doing either working or being furloughed yeah. um and for somebody like you know for me to be able to at least have an outlet to do something has been i i, I, I can't be more thankful because mm, I, I assume your your job fulfills a creative drive as well as it does a professional one. Like it's, it's absolutely the same, isn't it? Yeah. So what was what was your kind of roadway in to that? Did you do the kind of classical kind of uh, hospital radio or, or university radio and things like that, and then work your way up, or did you were you one of these people who kind of lucked in? Mm. Well, uh, let me tell you, it all started. <laughs> it started when I went. It, it was a bizarre circumstances that my drummer was playing with another band right and the <laughs> as other they band, do as they we know this about drummers and they had been booked in to play at bbc radio kent because bbc radio kent had a saturday show and the bands would be in on a saturday show so whatever happened tom said to me well look there's a space here on a saturday how do you fancy getting yourself in there and playing some music on on bbc kent and i went what can i do that is Yes, let's definitely do that. And I got in and I had a, I met the, uh, the producer there, a chap called Phil. He's a very good friend of mine now. And we got on like an absolute house on fire. You know, he's talking like you and I do, the same references, music and et cetera, et cetera. And, and the show itself, it was a guy called James Whale that used to do it. I don't know if you've heard of James Whale before. I know the name, yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a, it was known as a bit of a shock jock. So his, his shtick was basically to just say shock things and then try and basically offend the bands. Well, of course, we got the band to say we would we'd give it back, et cetera, right. et cetera. So they would invite us back uh, a couple of times. And, and I got in and I said to Phil one day, I said, I'd love this radio malarkey i said i've been, been doing this kind of thing for a while you know how on earth do you get involved do i need a degree do i need this sort of stuff and he said well just come to watch my saturday show uh was it a sunday show and i went oh right oh brilliant what what time's that and he went yeah it's five in the morning <laughs> <laughs> no so i hauled my ass out of bed at four o'clock in the morning or it might be summer though it's okay and went down and and i began to learn some of the nature of radio which is i got down there and then he had a panel there's supposed to be a panel in there discussing the papers well one of the panelists hadn't turned up so someone's got to go on the radio haven't they someone has <laughs> the bloke's the the just turned up after having gone up at four o'clock in the morning in you go mate what do you mean in you go so i went in there with a panel talk about the news news. yeah so we finished and and the the producer at the time was on his first day as well oh wow and 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 phil bless him we had a smile all the way through and we finished i really really liked that what should i do and he went right 
get yourself down to community radio, learn how to be a radio presenter. And I said, do you know what? Yes, I will. And I did. Uh, for two years, I went down to um, into Sussex and I went to a radio station called Uckfield FM and we did an evening show every week. And I just learned how to, you know, just do everything, how to, how to, to talk to times, microphones, not be boring, do, well, try not to be boring, do traffic and travel and, and just get the idea of, of, of a radio station. And um and then I, at the same time, I, I was in touch with uh, with a couple of people at, at, at uh, Kent and I handed in a CV and they said, right, well, whatever word, just wait. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And I guess at some stage they thought, oh, man, we need someone in the last minute. What are we going to do? What are we gonna do? <laughs> and I got a phone call from the editor and uh, said, come in, come in and and the rope. So that's how it happened. I got in and I started producing from there while still doing my um, community stuff and learning about journalism um and, and how kind of bbc radio works and that's that's how it started but again it comes music. from it comes from conversations about music it comes from someone being giving enough to be like well give it a go come in and Absolutely. do it you know and, and then say Absolutely. you know this is what you should do if you want to to eventually yep. you know get to where you are now so that's that's excellent and and it, again it, it backs up everything we've been talking about so far yeah which is give be nice yep and just do it right just like if you get if, wow. you, if you get an opportunity to do anything say yes because you never know oh god yes. where it's gonna that, lead. that's the key here you're right if you get an opportunity say yes and then once you've said yes work bloody hard yes <laughs> yeah work hard and be nice mm. at least try yeah it's, <laughs> it's funny it's funny but i mean so so many of us as well you know a few people have come through in the industry from from degrees as you'd expect mm. some have come through from meeting the sports presenter in the pub <laughs> 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 it's just so funny just everyone's stories but again that's life you know it's yeah. um it's it's interesting. So it was lovely. It's lovely to have got through and to think. So I, I very often think back, Tom, think about about my career and think that it actually probably started that that day I decided to write a song on the on the acoustic for the first time. Right? I suppose. Yeah. If you look at it from a kind of top down point of view, then yeah, you yeah. can draw that kind of straight line right the way back to that moment. It's like that's, well, that's where the ball started rolling. And I this like is, this is where the boulder is right now, and it's still <laughs> hurtling down that hill, which is great. Yeah. And I was uh, kind of alluding to the fact that your workload has gotten more heavy in the last couple of years, hence yeah. the not writing the songs. Yes. You've been presenting on BBC Radio Camp for a while anyway, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. Was, it, was it daily like it is now? Or? No, I used to, I used to present um, one a week and I would cover for people as well. So I would cover like the Saturday's panel shows, mm. which is hilarious because people would just be, it would be, you know, a bus driver, a food critic and uh, whatever else, a taxi driver. Who knows what it was? And just having to try and find some conversation between the three of them, which I just loved. <laughs> of course, it was always music driven together. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I noticed the room was a bit stale. I bring this game called the 8-Bit Challenge, which was, <laughs> which was, which was popular songs done in the 8-Bit <laughs> Nintendo style, which <laughs> is, and you know what? Even the most stoic person will get excited by an eight bit song they know the intro. I always just break the ice. I used to love doing that because <laughs> dead air is crime, as they say yes. in parties. Yeah, and so and I was, and then and then um, we'd started uh, as as the COVID situation happened. 
I was doing a couple of shows and, and there was a bit of a gap in the market really because only certain people could come into the building, you know, you know whatever it might be, and the, and the schedules all changed. And we had a chat about, you know, because of what I do and the medium of, of the show upload, it is it's quite connected, isn't it? And and it's not a case of having to find material because you know people send stuff in and it's very immediate and it's reactive. And mm-hmm. we just thought, let's just do this. Let's just do it every day and give everybody an outlet to send in what they're doing during this situation. You know, so. Mm-hmm that then became kind of full time. So I was going into the studio with some pretty bloody empty roads thinking, Oh my goodness, what's going on? But yeah. And so it's, when it, when the idea of the lock, it was originally lockdown upload, wasn't it? Right. When that kind of came up, was it something that was kind of in the ether anyway, that was an idea for some, you know, a feature or something, or was it literally something that was out of necessity because 100 necessity right yeah because uploads all started down in bristol they, they've been doing it as their evening show for a while mm. and, we, and we all had a, a meeting only a couple of months beforehand about rolling it out to everybody else in the country all the other stations and that's when the editor very very kindly said to me listen well i've heard this idea do you fancy doing it and i said absolutely yeah mm. so it, it, no it was we, we just got these shows on the go and it was just a gamble from there. I mean, it was it was a case we've only just got going with it. And so the lockdown upload was was just an extension of basically Tom just trying trying to get people to send stuff in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're locked down. We're kind of locked down. <laughs> Can we try and be creative together? Let's make a show together. Yeah. And, yeah absolutely. And which is, yeah, it's what it is. Did it hit the ground running straight away? Were you surprised by the amount of submissions straight yeah. off the bat, or did it take time to? I, I, some somewhere in the middle, but but more surprised about stuff coming. I was terrified when we first started because I just thought, you know, you look at it, and you think, crikey, this is an idea that people don't know about. You know, I don't know how many people are listening to, to radio per se. What happens if everything dries up? But no, I think I think I think people went for it, and and I think we've got a kind of a nice sharing community, haven't we? Whereby people talk. If people are on the radio, they talk about being on the radio, which mm. is fantastic. And that then means that their friends and their family kind of fancy the idea of being on the radio as well, don't they? Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, I think it, it kind of snowballed to a certain extent and it's maintained. And I feel very privileged to do it, mate. I really, really do. Mm. Yeah, because I can imagine it's kind of, I know that you've got certain regulars who come on, like um, the guy who talks about folk music, who's on every now and then. And, Dougie. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. you've kind of fostered this little community of people, like almost correspondents. <laughs> he was the folk presenter you see there was a oh was he show. oh right okay yeah, so there was a folk show on sunday night which was really popular and then of course covid hit and, and he got a phone call or an email going sorry mate there's no folk show anymore and of course the whole folk community in kent went up in arms going what are you mm. talking about so i thought i just can't see a genre of music on the station disappear mm. so I, I got in touch with him and said mate do you want to come and do a couple of shows uh, yeah a couple of spots on my show we'll see if we can keep it going yeah well That's i used to listen to mike harding and then uh, mark radcliffe do their oh, folk right, show okay. yeah and then that dried up and i was like but oh, but the bbc isn't playing folk anymore like they're ignoring oh, wow i was yeah, I was not happy about that. So to know that no. it happened at local level as well, yeah, that's uh, exactly incredible. Wasn't having that. Yeah. So yeah, we've still got that extent. Yeah. Oh, good. All oh, right. Okay. Because I wondered, like, he's so knowledgeable <laughs> just about everything, and I thought, well, this is either someone who's in the community, or like he's got to be in like a million folk bands, and he's doing all the, you know, <laughs> playing every single pub corner in Kent, you know. <laughs> 
but no, oh, he's actually uh, he's a he's an undercover ex presenter. Oh, brilliant! No, but he's he's incredible. I like Doug. I, I can imagine the the quality probably varies, but it's it's incredible the amount of like the breadth of stuff that people send in, whether it's songs, whether it's podcasts, whether it's poetry, or, or like it's it's just it, it's a bit of everything, isn't it? It is. And yes, the, the quality does, the, the quality and tone varies. So the amount of swear words tend to vary. So <laughs> honestly, so, I mean, I, I love the panel. I will never, ever castigate anyone for uploading because I, I thank you for doing it. But someone, I mean, somebody sent in a, a comedy sketch on Prince Andrew. I mean, oh. I can't play that out, can I, for goodness sake? I mean, just can't. I, I, and there's... There's been, there's been some songs that literally every other word is F. I mean, you've heard me bleep out a few things, but there's a yeah. few things I, I just can't get wrong. But by and large, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's the immediacy of it. And, and I've not, I noticed more and more, I think it's during 2020, a lot of poetry would, would come in about how people were feeling at the time. Mm. It's an interesting mirror into society a lot of the time, actually, mm. and, um, and, and whatever. And, and, and I think a lot of people, much, much like yourself, it's a really, hopefully, a nice and useful outlet uh, and, and I guess, again, I hope a validation of, of what you do. Some of the audio dramas we have are just absolutely spectacular. And the, the podcasts, you know, yourself included, which I listen to and just think, I just think this needs a big, it, it needs a, I'd love to be able to give it a bigger audience because I just think it deserves it. Um, and I just think it sits so nicely on the BBC platform. So, and as you said at the start, for me, it's quite ex- exciting because I get to be creative, working out when to put things on, what to put things with, which music to put in between, what, bullshit to talk about in between <laughs> you know <laughs> the time together which a lot of the time is happening during the last 30 seconds of a song when i've stopped swinging my coffee well, i need to say something now. quickly something to say because well, this is um, the thing because i always um normally it's something that's happened to you that day or yeah. you know and I'm, I'm always like i'm always amazed because it's like he's either thought about this you know in advance or it's literally come to him on the drive into work and if that's the case <laughs> What would have happened if nothing would have happened on the way into work? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had those. But it's, those, a, it's those a skill where... to talk about nothing and make it sound it's, interesting. It's, uh, Seinfeld. It? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I actually, I'm not going to lie. And I was saying this to uh, a colleague of mine the other day, went for a beer. And, I, and, and he, this is a guy, he's been an editor in commercial radio for a long time. So he, he knows a lot of people that have been doing it for a long time. And the reason, I, only reason I mentioned that is because I said to him, do you know what? said um, i actually i keep a bit of a either a mental or a physical notepad so because because the world's ridiculous tom right we know that right everything's mm. nuts isn't it just generally yeah um, so all you got to do is yeah so you just got to look around and I, i'll see something the day and i'll think yep write that down so i keep a little a little pad and i've got something on the computer as well just it's just one line and, mm. and, I, and i'll expand upon it so yeah and sometimes that'll ping in at one o'clock in the morning oh no they're downstairs and write it <laughs> so generally speaking i'll come in with a few ideas of something I'll, I'll talk about. But yeah, sometimes there's something on the way into work. You just think, that's that's nuts. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always hope it doesn't come across as twee, but I, I figure most people think that way. I anyway. always enjoy it. I quite like the askew viewpoint on, on certain things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if it's uh, if it's just the fact that there's no blue in the sky for a few days, and you wonder if, oh. like, you know, <laughs> oh, for goodness sake! Or the one I always the one I remember is the one 
the cup of coffee, right? You know that stirrer for a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. That one piece of stick that you put in, like you cannot get the centrifugal force to stir your <laughs> sugar in. It's not possible. Like, whose idea was that? All you do is just stir in a very small circle. <laughs> Don't do anything. But again, I suppose this goes back to the first incarnation of uh, Wake Up Leo as well, where you were afraid that the songs weren't standing on their own. So you're telling stories between songs. As well. Like it's, it's a skill that you've honed over years. So, it's, so. It, all, it all works again. Like I say, this is what I find interesting, having these long form conversations with people. Yeah. You can kind of get a really broad view of, of what they've been doing and, and yeah. where, how it's led to where they are now. And you ask the right questions. It's nice. It's that you, you've got a very nice way about you to ask it yes i I try i try and have a a a running order of things um and it'll always be out of the wrong way though right yeah yeah no but the whole point about podcasts is being able to go off on a tangent it's the complete opposite to radio yeah so we can have an hour and a half conversation and what's interesting is that if you keep talking you Mm. can always find a way back to where you to where to where the deviation started you can always be like right i've got to try and find a way back to the point we started off on or like to try and link the two points with the story in between it's 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 invariably they do as well right and if you talk for long enough you can always come around to the point again (laughs) depending how long that might be (laughs) it's interesting you talk about that actually because when i I put the show together i've come to the assertion i don't know if it's correct i'm just thinking from my perspective that this is why it's great when I first saw your podcast that, and you do them in, in snippets of about sort of anywhere between what sort of four to, well, anywhere less, maybe three to sort of six mm. or seven minutes. I genuinely think that people will get bored of anything after of the one thing after about seven. Do you know, not if you're listening to a podcast because you want to listen to that, but something mm. else like the magazine show. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Uh, like what I do and what other radio stations do. I think it, it, you want it almost to be like that um, box of sweets where you can have a little bit of that. And then I'll do, and then we'll have a bit of that. And then let's have a song. Why not? Let's have a bit of that. So you never get that opportunity to switch off. And of course, as a radio presenter, that is quite genuinely the only thing I have to avoid is is people switching off. That's when I failed, right? So (laughs) everything I do is geared towards people not going, ah, switch him off. So (laughs) that's that's what I deal with on a daily basis, Tom. Yeah, that's uh, that's a stressful thing to deal with, I suppose, as well. Uh, You've got to, it's it's not having two two songs in a row or three songs in a row. It's putting in something else in between to kind of break yeah, that up as well. Yeah, and it's hard because you don't know if some people are going to like this, they're not going to like that. Not everybody can like everything. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's. Mm. So is there, <laughs> is the pressure so big that there's like a live counter? Do you ever see? <laughs> no. You know, is, no. <laughs> no. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have any figures. Because the way that the way that BBC does the diaries still the figures rather is still is still giving out physical diaries. To is that right? Oh, okay, Absolutely. I didn't realise yeah. that they were still doing it that way. Still doing it that way because they, wow. they think it's, it's the it's probably the most organic way of doing. It, which I suppose to a certain extent there are you can chart things digitally now. So if people are listening online, you can do it. But um, we didn't have any figures or anything like that at all for four fifteen months. I think it was. We only got our wow. first. We've had our first sets of figures in um of as of the last quarter mm. now so i mean i i had no idea if anyone was even bloody listening at all i was just hoping fingers this crossed takes me back to hospital radio i did that well, for absolutely. a little while and uh you're down there in the bowels of the hospital <laughs> and uh you're talking and you're hoping that people are listening and sometimes people do and sometimes people called into the studio yeah and then there were weeks would go by 
<laughs> where you weren't hearing anything at all and we were on the request show as well that was the thing all right so we used to go around before the show started um the three or four of us that were working on it and we all had our little half hour slot mm -hmm. and uh we'd be trying we'd be going around specific wards and yeah. doing the patter you know we're on the radio tonight and is there anything that would make you feel better and you know would you like mm -hmm. to or, or go around to the families and say is there anything that Doris would like to hear this evening and you know, right. give her a bit of pep and all that. And then you get down and you'd kind of, you'd hope that people would, we were always like phone in, have a conversation with us because you never know people are lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And occasionally, very occasionally it would happen and you'd be like, that was an amazing show, but then you'd go for a drought of uh, a couple of weeks with nothing and you're like is anyone listening i don't know oh, they are aren't they? that's the thing they are, i think yes. it's quite easy to fall into that trap of thinking that if if people don't get engaged and they're not listening but i mean mm. there's there's absolutely no truth to that at all i mean radio really the way i see it is an overheard conversation it's like an overheard pub conversation yeah um, and that's what people love just overhearing conversations don't they yeah, absolutely so, they don't even have to get involved like you no, said no and i don't you know other, other than people sending in their stuff if they want to be on the show i don't actively push for it i don't see the point really no. you just enjoy it. if you enjoy it great yeah why not if you don't send me your stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would like to thank you as well for uh, for championing this podcast oh you're so welcome and always Excellent. having something very nice to say about it as well well, I think what you do, it's so genuinely my pleasure because you just tick so many boxes when I first saw it, which is from a selfish perspective, I love music, but then sort of, it's not selfish because everyone loves music. <laughs> and it really has, you've got, you show so much passion, which is the most amazing thing in the world, which I can listen to anybody talk about. Well, I was talking to, my uncle was talking to me about fishing yesterday. I didn't give a crap about fishing, but he was so passionate about it. I was absolutely transfixed by what he was telling me, all the minutiae of it. So you've got all that. And, and, and you've got your facts as well, which are interesting, which has got that, oh, I didn't know that. And it's got a bit of a history of what's been going on in, in England as well. Mm. So you tick so many boxes. And I think it's a real skill, mate. And I, and I, I really enjoy putting it out there, not just as a bit of entertainment, but as a bit of education as well, you know. So well deserved. Yeah, thank you so much. And also, I respect massively the fact that you fought for the Nevermind the Bollocks episode as well, uncensored. Because <laughs> I, I tend to... I tend to send things in and if there's a swear word, I'll bleep it out so you don't have to because I know it's time and you've got to go through it and listen to the whole bloody thing and you don't really, yes. But yeah, that one, I was like, well, I can't censor it because it's about the album. So yeah. I, he's going to have to deal with that. I don't know if he wants to tell the story, he'll either have to send, he'll have to get them to censor it or try and put it out. But you got it put out with about probably 15 uses of the word bollocks in a, in a I think I had to go on a very long run with my editor and say, yeah, by the way, this, this thing I'm going to play out, I think I've had the conversation go, I think I went, it's going to say bollocks a lot. And he went, why is that? And I went, because it's going to say never mind the bollocks. And he said, is that the name of the album? And I said, yes. Can I do it? And he went, mm, go on then, as long as you do a disclaimer beforehand. <laughs> but there's also the court case. I left the court case bit in as well, where the court oh, yeah. ruled that the, bo the word bollocks was a clerical exactly. term. Exactly, validated it. So, exactly, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> I, know my, I know my standards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's great. I've had a few conversations with the, with the higher-ups about some of the things like a <laughs> and some of the, and he's, they've said no to a good, good many things, I have to say. 
I've, I've gone out of the office like Charlie Brown with my, my oh. <laughs> Well, I'm very glad that that one got through because it yeah. just it felt like the ethos of this podcast and the ethos of the bands that I talk about as well. Absolutely. And then also the choices of record that you play, or the record, listen to me, the, cho- <laughs> the choice of track that you play after these snippets as well. Like, when was the last time Love and Romance by The Slits was the played Slits. on Radio 1? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's true. Like, that's a very, that's a very John Peel-esque cut. <laughs> I love doing that. Actually, for what it's worth, I think I heard it late at night on Six Music. I think the Mac was playing it on Six Music a little right, while ago. Right. I went, yeah, it's just you and me. Just you and me. And I'm like, just you and me, mate. <laughs> but that's great. And what's next for the show? I mean, it's now just upload. So I assume it's kind of here to stay for the foreseeable. But do you think that it'll be a thing that continues after whatever post-pandemic looks like, because pandemic seems to be here <laughs> to stay, unfortunately. Well, I, I hope so. I do. I, I, my plans for it, I think, are to make it as interactive as possible. So we had our festival stage this year. Mm. Um, we, we trialled out a, a stage. So we, we tried to do basically a show um, on a stage at a festival. So we had some poets would come on, some musicians would come on, some people doing comedy would come on. And I really see that as a next step certainly to a company i think there's a hunger i think people i think people do want to have their voices heard so i think we can hopefully stay as a conduit for that i love doing it and i love the idea of just doing more live stuff i mean introducing bless them our friends there do you know they champion music humongously haven't they yeah. it's become and have done for years absolutely and abby's well at our patch is great and um I really love the idea that we can be the introducing for poetry and for spoken word. You know, I really think so. So if, if you were to ask me, then that's what I'm going to try and do in our patch for sure. That sounds great. And I think, you know, th- there must be there must be an audience for it. If it exists, so. if people are doing it, yeah. <laughs> people want to listen to it. You know, yeah, it's, absolutely. A, it's a blind demand. It's not just a selfless or selfish thing where you're doing this for the point of it there is a spoken word scene there is a stand-up scene like and people have been starved of it for a couple of years yeah. so especially now there it's must right. be yeah i mean if you look at it, if you go to a festival these days there's a comedy tent there's a spoken word tent well why shouldn't there be one that does absolutely everything and it's got the bbc badge on it that's why that's what i think hmm. so yeah we'll, no, we'll i see think you're doing i think you're doing the lord's work over there and uh long may it thank continue you. thank you I, I and i will say i i love it I really do love it. It's it's knackering, and my, my I'm on the treadmill a lot of the time, <laughs> day to day. But you know what? It's it's doing something I love, and I and and I, I get to speak the degree of nonsense as well. So for the meantime, <laughs> no one's said anything. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So if people are listening that haven't listened to the show or haven't heard of Wake Up Leo before, where yeah. can they find you? Ah. Gosh, this is the questions I ask. Oh, this is <laughs> um, yeah, because I interviewed you a while ago, didn't I? It's, it's incredible to, yes, if you want to come and find my music, please feel free to. It is wakeupleo.com and wakeupleo on all the socials. I think it is, isn't it? Or is it? It's something like wakeupleo underscore one for Instagram for some reason. Something like that. But yeah, just put in wakeupleo and you find me. And then if you want to come listen to the show, BBC Radio Kent for upload at nine o'clock. And if you want to send anything in, as Tom has done masterfully many a time, bbc.co.uk slash upload is the way to do that. So, yeah, there you are. Grand. Well, it's been great having you on, Leo. Um, oh, thank you. Man. I loved it. 
I knew that this was going to be a great conversation, just uh, the, your personality shines through, especially recovering from COVID as well, which is something oh, that I didn't mention at the start, but you've, uh, <laughs> you've, you've bravely battled through. Oh, goodness sake. What a year. What a two years. Um, Can we be done with it, please? But you're, you're, you're generally over it now, and, and you're out the I'm other sorry. side, and you're... Uh, I hope so. Yeah. I'm supposed to be back with broadcasting again soon, so I, I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, fingers crossed, it's all over, and uh, yeah, Thank back you. to work soon, and we'll uh, we'll be tuning in for sure. Brilliant. I want more stuff from you, of course, as well. Yeah, there's stuff coming out. This will. I don't know when this is going out, but there'll have been another documentary out by then. And then hopefully a few more interviews, but yeah, thank you so much, Leah, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks Tom. See you soon. There you go. What a lovely bloke Leo is. And if he's that perky, despite recovering from COVID, imagine what he's like when he's on top form. A big thanks goes out to him for spending the time to talk to me despite suffering. You can listen in to his shows on BBC Radio Kent between 9 and 10pm on weekday evenings, if you live in Kent, or you can catch them on the BBC Sounds app. He's on Twitter at WakeUpLeo and Instagram at WakeUpLeo underscore one, or search him out on Facebook. The band's website is wakeupleo.com and they can be found on Facebook and YouTube as well as all the places you can stream music. Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation and YouTube. Also, please do reach out to let me know what you thought of the chat on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or by email. And don't forget to leave those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. But more than anything else, take care of yourselves and stay safe. See you next time. for listening to this episode of band biographies if you enjoyed it please don't forget to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts please do reach out on twitter at bandbiogs, instagram at band biographies search on facebook for band biographies or by emailing band at gmail.com see you next time <laughs>